Welcome to our study of Galatians here on the Radio Bible Course. We have come to verse 11 of chapter 6, and I'm reading from that passage. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. This section is again a warning against circumcision. And regarding verse 11, where Paul talks about writing with his own hand and writing large letters, there are two views among scholars. The first one is that Paul wrote only the closing sentences of this letter to authenticate the letter, and there's some support for that because in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 21, Paul writes, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. He does the same, the very same words, in his epistle to the Colossians. He tells them that he wrote that with his own hands. Well, if he didn't write the whole epistle. Who did? Well, the writers of the New Testament epistles had what we call a secretary. There was a Greek word for that, but that person was like a secretary. They did the writing. They were skilled in writing. And Paul, inspired by the Spirit, would have spoken to that person and dictated the letter. All of that process was under the control of the Holy Spirit, for Jesus promised, even before he was crucified, he would send the Spirit, and the Spirit would guide them into all truth and show them things to come. So in the writing of these epistles, we do have the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now there is a second opinion about this writing here in verse 11, and other scholars say that Paul wrote the entire letter, and he says so here at the end because his enemies might suggest that this epistle was a forgery. Now, that's a possibility also, for there were forged letters. Someone had written a letter to the Thessalonian Christians, and evidently ascribed Paul's name to it, but Paul denied that he had written that letter. You read this in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It reads, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we beg you, brethren, not to be quickly shaken in mind or excited, either by spirit or word or by letter purporting to be from us, that the day of the Lord has already come. So here, Paul is aware that someone had written a letter, and his name was on it, but Paul did not write that letter, which claimed that the day of the Lord had already come. And in this epistle, Paul goes 
to length to explain that the day of the Lord has not come, and that there will be signs when it does come. Now, which view, which of these two views is the most likely? I hold to the fact that he wrote the entire letter, and it is supported by the Greek verb which is translated, I am writing. That's in the Revised Standard Version, the New American Standard Version, and the New International Version. The verb translated, I am writing, is in an aorist tense, and the aorist tense refers to that which was already written and is so translated in every place where this word is used in the New Testament. This suggests that Paul is referring to the entire letter. By the way, at the end of Second Thessalonians, in chapter 3, Paul writes this, This is the mark in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. That's a characteristic of all of Paul's epistles, and that's one reason I don't believe that Paul wrote the epistle to the Hebrews, for he insists that he always writes and identifies himself at the end of the epistles. That is not the case with the Hebrew epistle. So we ought to accept the fact that we don't know who wrote the Hebrew epistle, although there are some clues, but that's another subject. Now back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. As I see it, Galatians has such a critical message to the church that Paul wanted to write it all himself without a secretary. When he writes that he wrote with large letters, this may refer to the inch-high letters called uncials. The letters were formed simply without connection. Now if you can imagine reading a sentence without any spaces between the words, and those letters were all in capitals, that would be similar in appearance to the Greek manuscripts of the first century. Now we move on to verse 12, where Paul writes, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. In the following verses here, we have a list of the characteristics of the legalists. First of all, they want to make an outward show to impress others. And the Greek word here in verse 12 means to make a good face. These people were hypocrites. They were performers. They simply wanted to appear to be something which they were not. Secondly, they were insincere, and that's seen by the words, in the flesh, as opposed to what is in the heart and what is genuine. Watch out for people who act one way in public, but another way in private. What is in a man's heart? That's what God is interested in, for he looks at the heart and he judges the heart. Thirdly, these legalists impose their standards on others. And Paul writes, They compel you to be circumcised. And he gives the reason for it, so that they won't be persecuted for the cross of Christ. See, these men who were preaching circumcision were claiming to be Christians. But the Christian message was that Jesus Christ died on that cross, he was buried, and he rose again, and that's all that was necessary for a person to get to heaven. 
But if these Jewish teachers who claim to be Christians preach that, they would be persecuted by the non-believing Jews because they were saying or implying that circumcision wasn't necessary, and that was an offense to the Jews. So how do you get around that? Well, go ahead and preach circumcision along with the gospel. And what kind of a gospel do you have then? A watered-down gospel. A gospel that is not good news. A gospel that depends upon man's performance instead of faith in Jesus Christ. Are we saved by good works? Yes, we are, but not ours. We are saved by the good works of Jesus Christ. And the good works that he did for us were done on the cross. He gave up his life. He suffered for us. And he died a terrible death that we might live forever. That's the message. And circumcision and law-keeping can't be added to that. If they are, we dilute the preaching of the cross. And Paul upheld the preaching of the cross. Now, as you look at verse 12 in the last clause, it says that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. What does he say for the cross? Why not say for the name of Christ or for the church? Well, the cross is offensive because the sin problem was completely solved by the crucifixion. And implied is the fact of sin and the necessity of a Savior, which in turn admits to human helplessness in salvation. That's what grace means. Man couldn't help himself. God had to save him. The preaching of the cross announced that. The offense is easily removed, however. How? By admitting that salvation is by faith, plus a ritual, like circumcision, and that's what these Judaizers were doing. They didn't want to take the heat from the Jews. Now, there's another characteristic of these false teachers, these legalists. They are hypocrites, and that's brought out in verse 13, where Paul writes, for even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Now, how are they hypocrites? Well, how do they boast? They boast by bringing others into their bondage. They rejoice over their converts who are not brought into freedom, but brought into bondage. And they could boast about your flesh, Paul is saying, if you submitted to their legalism. But they couldn't boast about your spirit because they didn't have anything to do with that. Their glory was legalism. Now, what was Paul's glory? The cross. And that's brought out in verse 14, where he says, But far be it from me to glory, except, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In verse 14, three crucifixions are mentioned. First of all, there is Christ's crucifixion, and it's the basis for salvation. Secondly, the world's crucifixion. Paul said, The world was made dead to the believer. Now, something dead no longer has any attraction. And then there is the self-crucifixion. For Paul writes in verse 14, 
and I to the world, that is, I was crucified to the world. The believer is set apart as one who is no longer alive to the world. When a believer expresses his faith in Christ, old friends in the world may treat him as dead. They don't invite him to their parties anymore. They know he's different. The believer takes on a new lifestyle that is not in harmony with what the world is doing. And this amounts to being dead to the world. We saw something similar to verse 14 back in chapter 2, where Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now that's a crucifixion of identification with Christ. And the context brings that out. Paul never died physically with Jesus Christ, but by faith he was looking back at the crucifixion of Christ on that little hill outside the walls of Jerusalem, and he believed that Christ died for Paul the Apostle's sins. He died as a substitute, and a substitute then qualifies the one for whom he died. So Paul could say, I have been crucified with Christ because I have believed in Christ. Well, our time has elapsed, so we'll have to continue and finish this chapter and finish the book of Galatians tomorrow. I'll be here. I hope you'll join me. If these teachings have helped you, won't you tell us about it? Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.